book of Proverbs tonight. Thank God for the book of Proverbs. Book of Wisdom. Alright, Proverbs in chapter 1. first seven verses are, as we taught you last week, the preface. We won't go back and explain what that is to you again for the sake of time. But beginning with verse 8 through chapter 9 and verse 18 is a section of discourses, 16 of them that is spoken by a father to a son, and then Lady Wisdom is standing and crying out to all men that pass by, amen, her uh, to receive of her wisdom. And then chapter 10 through the rest of Proverbs is the Proverbs themselves. Amen. So, but let's just re- look at a few verses here tonight. Uh, beginning with verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity to give subtly to the simple to the young man knowledge and discretion a wise man will hear and will increase learning and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels to understand a proverb and the interpretation the words of the wise and their dark sayings the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Okay? Go down to verse 20 of chapter 1. Wisdom crieth out, she uttereth her voice. So now we're changing from the father and the son. Uh, Wisdom is here pictured as a woman, or lady wisdom. So wisdom crieth out, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Chapter 8, please. Verse 1. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places, by the way, in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars, she hath killed her beasts, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table. She hath sent forth her maidens, she crieth unto the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither, as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. 
He that reproveth the scorner getteth himself shame, and he that rebuketh the wicked rebuketh the wicked man getteth himself a blot. Okay, a little further over. Verse 13. We see here now Lady Folly. A foolish woman is clamorous. That means she's loud or boisterous. She's simple and knoweth nothing. So, amen. There's a contrast between Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. And we ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your Holy Word. We pray that you give us inspiration, God, tonight by your Spirit to preach it, to teach it, and to receive it. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, let me just run through a few of these words here and give the definition of them. We've already talked to you about wisdom, what wisdom is. Uh, practically speaking, ethically speaking, and theologically speaking. Very quickly, practically speaking, when you talk about life, wisdom has to do with living. It has to do with social skills. Okay, it is the ability to know what to do. Okay, at the right time, doing the right thing at the right time. It is saying the right thing at the right time, and it is having the proper emotion at the proper level. Okay, amen. In life, so it has to do with social skills. When you talk about knowledge, or you talk about IQ, we talked about this last week. IQ is the ability to sit down, gather facts, and take a test. There are a lot of people who have a very high IQ. They are smart, okay? They are intelligent in the sense of having knowledge, the ability to study and take a test. But we're not talking about just IQ or gaining facts and knowledge in order to take a test to determine how smart you are. When we talk about the book of Proverbs, we talk about wisdom, we're talking about an IQ or intelligence that has to do with social intelligence or emotional intelligence. And that is, how do you live life? You can be very smart, but not know how to live life. You can be very smart, take a test, make big, great grades, but you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do, when to do it. You don't know what to say, when to say it. You don't know how to respond emotionally to the things that come to you in life. So we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about a different kind of IQ. We're talking about social skills, the ability to live a life, to know what to do at the right time, what to say at the right time, how to handle things emotionally when they come to you in life. So basically that's what wisdom is. Choosing the right path. Amen. It's choices that you make. Choosing the right path. The Hebrew word hakmah. So look at it very quickly. <clears throat> okay, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David and king of Israel, to whom we, to know what? Wisdom. Hakmah. So I've explained that to you. Uh, that's the practical definition of wisdom. Okay? You with me here? And then also the Bible talks about Verse 3, to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment. So now we find out that wisdom is not just so we know what to do in life, but it's to make you a good person. Verse 7 tells you the third definition of wisdom, or the purpose of definition, is theologically given. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay? 
So theologically, then, the most important thing about wisdom is, is to understand the importance of having a relationship with God in your life and being in fellowship with the Lord. Okay, so very quickly again, practically speaking, how to live life, right? Ethically speaking, to make you a good person. Third thing, theologically speaking, the most important of all of them is to have a right relationship with the Lord and to live for the Lord and how to do that. Okay? Let me go through these words so you'll understand. We've already covered wisdom. Next word is instruction. Say instruction. Hebrew word musar. Okay? Now it's not an S, it's a C. Okay? M-U-C-A-R. Musar. Now, what that means is, when you read here, it says, the wisdom and instruction, Musar, instruction means discipline. So, when you talk about wisdom, what wisdom is, now we have some words that help us understand wisdom. And if you have wisdom, then you will be a person of, under, or of, a person of instruction, Musar, a person of discipline. What that means is this, is that you've gone through some things in life. And as you've gone through some things in life, uh, the mistakes that you have made have brought some consequences to you. And so now, you are a disciplined person. That means that you will no longer give in to the path of foolishness. You will say no to that which is wrong in your life because it has cost you some pain. And you remember what you went through and that instruction, that discipline taught you, I don't want this to happen again. I don't want the consequences. I believe there are consequences if I disobey God. And I don't want those consequences in my life. Are you with me? So I'm going to be a musar. I'm going to walk in instruction. I'm going to live a disciplined life because I know that if I don't live according to the Word of God, it's going to bring consequences to my life. So that's why I'm going to be disciplined. So that's the second word here. To perceive the words of understanding. Hebrew word, bina. B-I-N-A-H. Bina. That is discernment. Discernment is to know the right and the wrong in any given situation of your life. Okay? You are faced with things. You're faced with decisions in your life. Things come up in your life and you have by now. You have the ability to discern what is the right and the wrong in any given situation in life. That's what that word means. Okay? Verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom. Again, Musar. Hakmah. Why does he put it together? Musar Hakmah, the instruction of wisdom. Because now the focus is not so much discipline based on consequences you have experienced in your life, but it is the Musar Hakmah. Are y'all with me here? The discipline of wisdom because you know how great God is. So now you move to another level. You know you're disciplined in life not just because of the consequences you know you'll receive, but because God is so great. It takes it to a higher level. It's no longer just about retribution. It is that God is so great 
that I do not want to disobey Him. So that's what that means. Instruction of wisdom. Musar Hakmah. And then we see justice. Say justice. That has to do with righteousness. Teaches you how to live right. Teach you how to live for God. It has to do with your relationship with God. Amen? The next two have to do with your relationship with people. Judgment and equity. Okay? Have to do with people. So when you pass a verdict on something, you pass a judgment on something, you identify, hey, you know what? You're not doing right. You're not doing right in your life. Okay? So you pass a verdict. You pass a judgment on the right and the wrong of something. That's a wise thing to do. To pass judgment on the right and the wrong of something. Sometimes, judgment has to come. And, but you do it in the spirit of love, okay? If somebody's doing something wrong, you tell them, now, you know that's not right, but the spirit that's driving it is love, okay? And then we have the last one here is equity, which basically has to do with fairness. It's balance. It's not partial. You don't show partiality to people. You're very fair, you're very even, and you're very balanced. So these words that I've just explained to you are words that have to do with what wisdom is really like. When you're functioning wisdom, this is the kind of person that you're going to be. And I know I said that very quickly. Amen? And if you didn't get all that and didn't write all the notes down, get the tape. Okay? I have to talk fast because I'm covering too much material tonight. Now, the Bible tells us in verse 4 to give subtlety to the simple. Subtlety is a very unique word. It has to do with being crafty. Okay? Or clever. Now, there's a good clever and a good craftiness. And there's a bad cleverness and a bad, bad craftiness. So what God is saying here is for the simple, that's basically the immature person. It doesn't have to do with age at all. You can be an old man and be a simple man. So when we talk about simple... The word means simply immature. It means to be naive. It means to go through life, just go, you know, just, you just go through life and get involved in all kinds of things and you get, get in trouble and, you know, you're unsuspect, un unsuspecting kind of a person. You just sort of believe everything. Okay? That's the simple person. But the Bible says that wisdom comes to teach the immature, the naive, the unsuspecting person about how to be clever. And that means how to withstand evil when it comes to you. Say praise the Lord. Alright? Now the Bible goes on and tells us it's not only just for the simple, uh, pita, uh, but it is for our pati, is the Hebrew word, simple pati, it is for the young man to give that young man understanding, right? Right? Do you believe that? Amen? To the young man, knowledge and discretion, right? Knowledge, say knowledge and discretion. Hey, that's not right. i got to stay away from that. Have discretion. Okay, let's go on. So you're going to need your Bibles tonight. If you didn't bring your Bible, you're going to be completely lost. Because I'm preaching the Bible to you. Okay? You need your road map. Okay? This is your workbook. Let's go on. 
So for the young man is to give the young man knowledge and discretion. And then on, on top of that, the wise man will hear. So it's not just for the simple man. It's not just for the young man. But it's for the wise man. And the Bible says the wise man will hear and do what? And what? Increase learning. A wise man is not the kind of man who at some point in their life thinks they know everything. The wise man is not the kind of man that says, okay, I know everything. I don't need to be taught. I don't need to learn anything. You can't tell me anything. I have arrived in life. The wise man knows that you're always in need of more wisdom which comes from the Word of God. Never do you ever get to a place where you no longer need to hear the Word of God preached in your life if you're a wise man. A wise man knows you need to be constantly instructed in the Word of God and the knowledge of God that it's never enough that you need more and more knowledge of the Word of God. Amen? How many wise people out there do I have? Now notice it's sort of, it's in the masculine gender, but it applies to everybody. So when I say the wise man, you women out there think in your mind he's talking about a wise woman. Okay? You with me here? Okay. How many wise people do I have out there? Good. That means you never get satisfied with the wisdom that you have, the knowledge that you have. You know always that I can learn more, I can grow more, I can be better in my life than I am today. And at no point in my life, say with me, have I arrived. I have not arrived. Okay, say praise the Lord. Beautiful, isn't it? Verse 7 again gives us the foundation of wisdom. Well, let me explain verse 6. To understand a proverb. Say proverb. Okay, so this book is given so we can understand a proverb. Uh, Mashal in the Hebrew is sort of like a parable. Now, in the New Testament, when Jesus spoke parables, the word parable is translated from the Greek word parabola, but it's all, when you translate it in the, from the Hebrew, it's coming from the same word, mashal, which is a proverb. Jesus spoke proverbs when He spoke parables. So when we go through the book of Proverbs, it's to teach us how to understand these little short sayings that are sort of like parables. A proverb is a short saying, short on words, but long on experience. It is a, it is something that has been proven and been tested over a long period of time. I want to say something that's going to blow your mind. It is not a promise. It is a general revelation from God. Are you with me here? For example, the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they're not depart from it. And people take that and say, God made a promise to me they wouldn't depart from it. They misunderstand a proverb is not a promise. It's a general revelation of truth that has been tested over a period of time. And most of the time, that's the way it's going to be. But there are some occasions when that's not the case. So you have to be careful when you read the book of Proverbs. And you see it in your life and say, well, God's not keeping His promise to me. He didn't give it to you as a promise. He gave it to you as a general revelation, amen, of truth. Now, it comes from God, but it's been proven over a long period of time. So again, what is the proverb? It's a 
a short statement, maybe normally just a short sentence or two. It's, long, it's short on words, but long on experience, all right? So the Bible tells us here to understand a proverb and the interpretation of words, of the words. What does interpretation of the words mean? You have the ability, when you read it, to get to the point. You have the ability to interpret it. That means you know what the point is that's being taught there. Right? Okay. Everybody with me here? The words of the wise and their dark sayings. The words of the sages and their dark sayings. Because sometimes the wise would say these little short pithy statements and uh, they're, I mean, they're really wise. It's sometimes hard to understand their dark sayings. But the more that you spend time in these Proverbs, you'll have the ability to understand the dark sayings. Okay. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. With me here? Most important thing. You really can't say that you have wisdom if you don't live for the Lord. Now, very quickly, and I'm, I'm, I'm just covering kind of a little bit, of going back a little bit. There's a lot of wisdom in the world. You can study the, the wisdom of the Egyptians. You can study the wisdom of, I mean, the Edomites were known for their wisdom. Okay? You can study the wisdom of what would, was ancient days the, the Sumerians, which is modern-day Iraq. They had a lot of wisdom long time before the book of Proverbs was ever written. And a lot of things that the book of Proverbs says were in those ancient, ancient teachings of ancient cultures. So wisdom has been around a long time. Things that have been studied, life has been studied, and social skills has been developed. Even by countries and by people who do not believe in Jesus. Now remember, you can learn something from an unbeliever. If you're the kind of believer that says, I can't learn anything from people that don't believe in the Lord. You can. If some of you go to a doctor that's not a believer. Okay? You can learn some things from unbelievers. So in those cultures we've talked about last Wednesday had wisdom. You could read those things. A lot of them are very similar to the book of Proverbs was talking about. But they worship false gods. So then, they really weren't wise. Because the foundation of true wisdom, amen, is to have a relationship with God in your life. Because wisdom is making the right choices in life, going on the right path, but ultimately, it has to do with order. And God is the only one that knows how to run this world. He's the only one that knows how that life should be lived. Amen. Say praise the Lord. So if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you may have a lot of studying about wisdom in the uh, you know ancient cultures or whatever, but ultimately you have to have a relationship with God to be a person of wisdom. That is the foundation. Okay? So the fear of the Lord. Say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now later he'll say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, now when we look at that, the fear of the Lord, as I said last week, why didn't the Bible say the love of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Because God wants to give us an understanding that we must be humble before the Lord. And knowing the love of God doesn't really humble you. But when you fear God, when you reverence God, it'll cause you to humble yourself before Him and understand He's bigger than you or greater than you are. 
Okay? So we need to have a healthy fear of God in our lives. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this is where we left off last week. Okay? Fools, say fools, despise wisdom and instruction. So we talked about two people already that are the opposite of wisdom. They are the opposite of people who walk in wisdom. Number one is the simple person. The simple person, as I said, is the person who is immature and naive. Okay? Goes forth in life, just straightforward, you know, and falls into a lot of problems in life because they don't know how to live life. Then we have the second person that's recorded here is the fool. Now, who is the fool? Well, I don't think I have any fools in here. I pray I don't. I don't want to be one. But let's find out what a fool is like. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearketh unto counsel is wise. You listen to God. You take God's advice. You listen to God's word. You're wise. But a fool believes that his thoughts are right. So simply, a fool is somebody who thinks they know when they don't know. Okay? A fool is a know-it-all. You can't tell them anything. They won't listen to you. They for sure won't receive correction in their life because they know it all. You know. Amen. It's sort of like when when the, our young people turn into teenagers. Have you noticed how dumb the parents become? Amen. I you know, I used to think I was smart till I till my kids grew up and then I found out how dumb I was. <laughs> Amen, because sometimes I'm told that. And, I'm joking. But other times, you know, they're just, they just know, I'm talking about, you know, Victoria's more of an adult now. Jeremiah's moving that direction, but. Amen. But the fool basically, really, when you break it all down, is the stupid person. And I know you, I know you don't like those words, stupid. And I know you teach your little kid that don't say that. You're not supposed to say stupid. Okay, so I'm with you on that. But there are stupid people in the world. And the stupid people in the world that are the opposite of wisdom are people who won't listen to anybody. They won't listen to God. They don't follow God. They don't serve God. They don't live for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Why? Because they already, in their mind, they know everything. That's the fool. Okay? Now, in some cases, the fool does know what to do. But the fool won't do it because it's too restrictive to their life. Okay? So either way, you still got a fool on your hands. Because they know it all. They don't need any more knowledge. Praise the Lord. You can't tell them anything, man. Praise the Lord. Give God worship. Y'all with me here? Now, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be a stupid person. I think I know everything about everything. Now, if you know something, you know it. 
If it's the truth, you know it. Praise God. And don't, don't apologize for it. But if you don't know, don't act like you do know. And if you don't know, don't tell people you do. That's what fools do. And, I'm, and again, it's not age. I know some of y'all are thinking about right now. You're thinking about this one. You're thinking about that one. But it doesn't have nothing to do with age. Amen. There's some people go, go forth and they want you to think that you know everything about everything and you can do everything. Why do they think that? Because you're leading them on. Now, if you know it and you know how and you can, that's one thing. Amen. But if you don't know, don't say you do. Somebody said praise the Lord. Because that, that's, that's what stupid people do. And that's why some people get in so much trouble in their life. If they're not naive and not simple and just go headstrong into life and fall into troubles, they don't seek out counsel. They don't seek out wisdom from anybody because they think they got it. I got this. A wise person seeks out counsel. A wise person seeks out wisdom in their life. Amen? Say praise the Lord. We all need help. So I don't want to be a fool. Be right in your own mind and still be wrong. Everybody all right out there? Now we'll get eventually get over here and we'll talk about Lady Wisdom and she talks about a third person that's the opposite of wisdom and that's the scorner. And the scorner is one level above. You have the simple person, just the immature, naive person. Then you have the fool that thinks they know and they don't know. And then you have the scorner and they just downright mock all the people who serve the Lord. They will mock you. They will mock people who live in the ways of God. And they'll put you down. That's a mocker. That's a scorner. Okay, so praise the Lord. But fools do what? They despise wisdom and instruction. They despise it. Why? Because they don't like the fact that it's going to restrict what they want to do in their life. Oh, don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do my own thing. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Sad, isn't it? Sure, it's quiet out there. I mean, y'all were doing real good while go. Now, <clears throat> at this point, in verse 8 of chapter 1 through 9 and verse 18, we're going to deal with 16 discourses and this is a son and a father relationship, okay? Father goes to the son and he's teaching his son how to live life. He's giving him wisdom. He's teaching him how to live life, social skills, how to live, proper order. What is the proper order in finance? What is the proper order in various things of life? Well, God knows how to live life. Amen? That's why it's important to have the fear of God in your life. Because He knows how to live life. I don't. I don't know how to live life. You don't know how to live life, but He does. So that's why I want to serve Him. Because He knows how to bring order to my life. Order in the midst of chaos, man. The, the problem that I had before, you know, 18 years of old, that's been over 30 years ago. 
18 years of age, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. It's over 30 years ago. Amen. Well, I want to tell you something. Right before I came to the Lord, my life was nothing but chaos. And I was lonely, and I was looking for something in my life, and I got God in my life, and He brought order to my life. And guess what? He still is. Because I haven't arrived yet. The first church I pastored, me and Sister Christina pastored, I was in my latter 20s. I was about 27 years old when I started pastoring the first church. Amen? Praise God. And uh, so, you know, I need a lot of wisdom. I need a lot of wisdom. Praise God. So I, and as soon as I started pastoring, I found out the people that I was pastoring, man, they knew a lot more than I did. Say, praise God. <laughs> but I just kept on going. Hallelujah. And you need God. You need God. You need more of God. And, um, and I'm just telling you, life has chaos to it, has confusion to it, has problems that come. You need answers. You need to know how to live. You need to know what to do and the right time and what to say at the right time and how to handle it with the proper emotion. Life has challenges. So I need God in my life. I need Him. Amen. So a son and a father. Father's going to give direction to his son, tell him how to live, how to have proper order in his life. And then we're going to see Lady Wisdom comes on the scene. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, that Lady Wisdom. And she cries to everybody, all men that walk by her every day. Men that are walking by her, she's standing in the public discourses. She's standing out there where people are. She's in the gates. She's in the high places. She's screaming out publicly. She's not some kind of secret society with some kind of secret knowledge. Some kind of secret gnosis. Wisdom that comes from God is not about some kind of secret society and secret knowledge. The wisdom that comes from God is readily available to everybody and it's public and she stands in the public concourses and she's intermingling with people. She's lifting her voice to try to get somebody to listen to her. Amen. So that's what we're going to be seeing as we go through uh, tonight some things. Amen. Now, chapter 1 through chapter 9 of the book of Proverbs basically is going to teach you how to interpret chapter 10 through 31, how to interpret the Proverbs. So it's important for us to understand. Amen. All right, very quickly. Verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Now, who wrote the book of Proverbs? All right, Solomon. We found out some of Hezekiah's men. Amen. We found out we, there's some other wise men that were nameless. We found out there's a few kings that were not Jewish. That we have some non-Jewish kings that put Proverbs here. Okay? So, but what we have here is we have Solomon. He's writing the book of Proverbs, but he's speaking to his son. Now, when you have time, go and study in the Kings, First Kings, study who the sons of Solomon were. And see, you know, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, Study and see which one of those psalms, sons listen to Daddy Solomon. And you'll find if they didn't listen to Daddy Solomon, look at the life of Rehoboam. 
Look at the problems that he, he brought to the kingdom. Because he didn't listen to his dad. Now Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus Christ. But yet his son, they wouldn't listen sometimes. Got him in big trouble, man. Messed up the kingdom big time. Hallelujah. Amen. There, there have been great men of God who had great wisdom from God and they were mildly used of God. But you look at their sons or their children, didn't walk in that, that wisdom. And it created great problems. Amen. Created problems for the church, created problems for their own life. They didn't walk in that wisdom. But it wasn't the daddy's fault. Listen to what I'm telling you. It wasn't the daddy's fault. Are you with me today? Some of these, some great men, they're no longer alive today. Raised up great churches. They were fire and brimstone preachers. I'm not saying that's everything, but they preached righteousness. They preached godliness. And they weren't even necessarily oneness. But they had conviction when they preached. You with me here? And as soon as they died and their sons took over, they turned the church over. And it's no longer a church. It's just a, a place where people meet. Amen. They took a church and turned it into a crowd. You're supposed to take a crowd and turn it into a church. It's sad to say that some of those today have huge churches. But if their dad knew what they have done with that church, he'd roll over in their, gra in their grave. So it is important for you to understand that Solomon was a wise man. Obviously, later in, in life, he became the most foolish man. Okay? But there was a time in his life Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Queen of Sheba went just to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She traveled just to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Amen. And where did that wisdom come from? The Bible says God gave Solomon that wisdom because Solomon asked for it by prayer. 1 Kings chapter 3. God said, I'll give you what you want. You want power? You want riches? What do you want, Solomon? Solomon said, I want wisdom. I need wisdom. Because I'm going to affect the lives of many people. If I'm going to rule, I need to have the ability to know what to do and what to say. Because I'm going to affect the lives of many people. And so God gave Solomon wisdom. The wisest man who ever lived at that time. He wrote these Proverbs. And he taught his sons. David taught him. Solomon taught his sons. But they didn't always follow in the paths of their daddy. Amen? And that can be very discouraging. It can cause you grief. See, let me just tell you, young people, children, to parents today, you can cause your parents great grief or you can cause your parents great joy. And I'm going to tell you what it all boils down to. Are you going to be a true worshiper of God? If you are, you'll cause your parents great joy. If you depart from God into idolatry, and that's basically what you do if you leave God. You're going into idolatry. If you do that, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. In Proverbs chapter 10, the Bible says you will cause your parents great grief in your life. So the father's going to spend time with the son, teaching him the right path. Everybody's on a journey, brothers and sisters. You're on a journey in life. Proverbs chapter 4. 
Verse 11, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. When thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. So this father took time to teach the son the right path. To let him know there's two paths. There's a path you can walk that walks with God. And there's a path that, that you can live that doesn't have God in it. This father sat down with his sons. And Proverbs 4 says, He taught his son how to walk in a path. And that path is to live for God. He taught that, that son how to avoid the journey in life that leaves God out of your life. He told him, if you walk that path that lives for the Lord, that path is going to bring life to you. It will bring be a life of blessing to you. But if you get off that path and you get on the path, that other path that doesn't have God in it, that path of folly and foolishness that's departed from the true worship of God and worships idolatry, put something else in the place of God. Solomon said, you get on that path and instead of it being straight and smooth and a life of blessing and life, he said it'll be a life full of potholes. It'll be a life instead of light, darkness. It'll be a path of death and not life. So he sat down and he told his son, this is the way to live. Amen. You live with God in your life. and You'll be blessed and you'll have a life of light. But you leave God out of your life and you're on a path that's leading to destruction. You're on a path that's full of darkness and potholes. You stay off that path. So he sat there and he taught his son and and I'll be honest with you tonight, you have responsibility as parents to teach your children. I have responsibility to teach my children, Victoria and Jeremiah. But I have some spiritual children because I'm a pastor. You know, don't be, don't be upset about that if I call you spiritual children. In the business world, if you're being, if you're an apprentice to somebody, an apprentice calls himself son to the one that's teaching them the job. So I am a spiritual father in the sense that I am called by God to be a pastor to you, to preach and teach the Word of God to you, to show you the right path to go on. But you've got a responsibility as a parent, as a mother and a father, to teach your kids to stay on that straight and narrow path that lives for God. And don't ever get off of it. Don't ever depart from the Lord. Don't ever replace God with anything in your life. Because if you do, let me just put it to you this way. What concerns you the most in life, that's your God. That's what idolatry is. To get off the path in that Old Testament when Solomon was speaking to his son was to be an idol worshiper of Baal, the sun god, or Moloch. 
one of those false gods or goddesses. You hear what I'm saying? But in modern day, we don't worship Baal. In modern day, we don't worship Moloch. We have other idols. And an idol is anything that you put in your life above God. Anything that you make more important than God is an idol to you. And tonight, what your greatest concern in is life, in life, that is your God. If God is your greatest concern, He's your God. But if you've got something else in your life that's more important than God, that is your God. Because idolatry is anything and anyone that comes between you and your walk with God. And there is a constant allurement by the world that says, leave Him. But this daddy, he knew. He knew what it was like to walk in wisdom at one time with the Lord. But he also knew what it was like to play the fool. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. Amen. Read the book of Kings where Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, became the, the greatest fool who ever lived and began to intermarry with the women of the world and they turned their, his heart away from God. And so he sits down and he teaches. He's trying to teach his son. He's giving the Proverbs and telling them how to live. Don't get off that path that has God as the center, that has God as the most important thing in your life. Don't do that. The other path is full of darkness, man. Pit holes, potholes, death and destruction. So he begins, he says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Your mother's taught you some things too. Taught you some things that are right and wrong. Amen. Amen. It's important for you to listen to a godly father and a godly mother. It's important for you to listen to a spiritual father, a pastor in your life. Ultimately, to listen to God. I said, don't depart from it. Amen. Forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. You listen to what they're teaching you. Listen to what you've been taught. Don't, don't forsake it. Don't leave it. It says, because it, it'll affect your thoughts. It'll be an ornament of grace on your head. You'll, you'll, you'll think right if you listen to what they teach you. Teach you the Word of God. Teach you the right way. It'll, it'll help your mind. And then he goes on and he says, it'll be a, a chain about thy neck. It's going to affect the way you talk. These are pithy sayings that are expressing truth, metaphors, grace around your neck. You'll know how to think. You'll know what to do. You'll know what to say at the right time. Living for the Lord to bring order to your life. But he said it'll be like, <laughs> amen, chains about thy neck. Chains about thy neck. Amen. 
It affect the way you think. It affect the way you talk. Chains around your neck. One way to look at chains around the neck is that means that the child has bent the head in submission. They know how to submit to authority. They know how to bend the neck. There's nothing more beautiful in life, in my opinion, than to see a child or a young person or anybody that knows how to bend the neck to authority. Because the opposite of that is stiff-necked. But you got chains around your neck. You've learned how to bend your neck in submission to authority. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. Let me just tell you right now, and I'm like, I'm speaking the word of wisdom to you tonight out of the Bible. When your child is born, as soon as they're born, you put the mindset of training in your heart. As soon as they start getting a little lower, you know, hallelujah. You gotta realize, you know, think about this old proverb about the Sphinx. You don't know what the Sphinx is in Egypt, right? The Sphinx, they used to say that the Sphinx would wait for people to walk by. And as they'd walking by, the Sphinx would ask them two things. What has one voice? Walks on four, walks on two, and then walks on three. And if you couldn't answer that, the things would hit you. Right? And then somebody came by, a very wise man came by, and the things said, what has one voice? What has four? What walks upon four? What walks upon two? And what walks upon three? Proverbs, please, the book of Proverbs in chapter 8. Hallelujah. Amen. Studying wisdom. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 8 and chapter 9. Hey, remember Sunday? We won't be here. We'll be in New Mexico. So looking forward to that trip and trusting God to have His way in the services there. Excited about that. Hallelujah. Although it's had challenges. Amen. That must mean that God's going to do great things. So we're excited about it. <clears throat> All right. Proverbs the 8th chapter is really coming off of Proverbs chapter 1 beginning with verse 20 where it talks about wisdom, lady wisdom. Uh, we covered that last Wednesday. So tonight we'll look at chapter 8 and chapter 9. Okay? <clears throat> Verse 1, chapter 8, verse 1. If you have it, say, praise the Lord. Doth not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places by the way, in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of understanding hearts. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth and wickedness, 
is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all things that may be desired are not be to be compared to it. I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to have evil, is to, excuse me, to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way. And the forward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me. Yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Yea, than fine gold. My revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment that I may cause those that, I, that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way before His works of old. I was set up from everlasting from, from the beginning. Wherever the earth was, when there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet He had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When He prepared the heavens, I was there. When He set a compass upon the face of the depth. When He established the clouds above. When He strengthened the fountains of the deep. When He gave to the sea His decree that the waters should not pass His commandment. When He appointed the foundations of the earth. Then I was by Him and one brought up with Him. And I was daily His delight rejoicing always before Him. Rejoicing in the habitation or habitable part of His earth. And my diligent, or my delights were with the sons of men. Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my door. For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul all they that hate me love death. Amen. Then we'll cover chapter 9 as well. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing, God, to be upon the reading of your holy word. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing, supernatural anointing and power and inspiration to preach it, to hear it, to understand it. Let us walk in the paths of wisdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right. The wisdom. Wisdom. As we've defined for you in the past, first of all, practically has to do with knowing what to do at the right time, knowing what to say at the right time. It is to have the right emotion at the right level in any given situation in your life. That's practically speaking. And then you have ethically speaking, that is to obtain righteousness. That means that God wants you to become a good person. And the way that comes is to have the wisdom of God in your life. Thirdly, theologically, is to fear the Lord. The purpose of wisdom, really, it's the third one, but it's the most important one. 
And that is that you and I would have a right relationship with God. That we're walking with the Lord in our lives. So that is basically, again, the definition of chokmah or, or wisdom. In chapter 1, verse 20, we see that wisdom is personified as a lady, as a woman. Uh, it is an attribute of God. So it's not literally a lady or a woman. It's an attribute of God. And uh, so when we come to chapter 8, again, we see this personification of the wisdom of God as a lady. First of all, the Bible tells us that she's standing, uh, crying with a loud voice, very loud voice. And uh, she's lifting her voice. Really, it's with all the strength that she has at the top of her voice. She's crying out. She's screaming out to those men, as the Bible say, that are passing by. And the reason why, obviously, that she's lifting her voice is so that hopefully these men, and of course this is not specific gender, but you get the point, as they pass by, they're going to hear this wisdom of God that she wants to give to them in their life. So she's trying to get their attention. Notice her location. The Bible says that she is in the top of the high places. That's very important to understand. Where she's sitting, where is she located? The Bible says she's in the high places. She's in the top. Now, biblically, that would speak of the temple. So we're talking about wisdom speaking and crying out from the high place. We are speaking about Yahweh's wisdom. We're speaking about the wisdom of Jesus, the wisdom of God that's located in the temple. We'll get into that in just a little bit, okay? So she's crying out she's, with everything she's got in her. She's lifting her voice to get the attention of people that they will walk in her paths, live by her instruction. And uh, to get their attention to do that, the verse 3 again, she says, I cry out at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. She's like a prophet of God who is lifting his voice in those days you would see the prophets of the Lord. They would stand in the chief place of concourse, the gates where people would be moving in and out of that city, so on and so forth. And you would hear those prophets lifting up their voice and declaring the word of God to the crowds as they were passing by. Obviously, there were many in that crowd. To them, that prophet was a nuisance. They did not want him. They did not want to listen to him lifting his voice. But God had told that man to rise up early in the morning and to stand in those gates and lift up his voice as loud as he possibly could and declare the Word of God to those that were passing by. And hopefully somebody would listen to that cry of wisdom from God, that Word of God that was coming to the people. And so the Bible says, like a prophet, verse 3, she's standing in the gates with her voice lifted up to anybody that is passing by that would be willing to listen to the Word of God and not only listen to the Word of God, but to respond to that Word of God. Then the Bible tells us in verse 4, O oh, unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. So at this point we've come, this young man has been counseled by his father. He's been on this path, this journey of life. And the Bible tells us as he's walking in this journey of life, he comes by this high place 
And he hears a voice coming out of that high place. And it's the voice of wisdom. And she's trying to get his attention so that he'll walk with her in this life. Amen. <clears throat> and then the Bible says in verse 5, she's crying out to the simple ones. That's the immature. That's those that uh, don't have a lot of experience in life. Amen. Don't have very good social skills in life. Don't know how to be good. Don't know how to live for the Lord. And so she's crying out to the simple. Anybody that's just sort of immature, that she wants to give instruction to help them succeed in life. If you want to be successful in life, you need the wisdom of God. And so she is reaching out to the immature, those basically that are just now beginning this journey and trying to give them instruction that will teach them social skills, teach them how to live life, teach them how to be successful in their walk with God, teach them how to be good people. But is there anybody that is willing to listen to what she has to say? Amen. And so then as she begins to cry out, not only does she cry out to the simple, but she cries out to the fools as well. Those that think they know when they don't know, or those that might know but don't want to do it because it seems to be too, too restrictive. And so she cries out even to those uh, giving them a chance, amen, to walk in her wisdom. In verse 6 through verse 14, we've already read it to you, what she does is she talks about what the characteristics that she has. And she says there's, there's no evil in her voice. There's, there's no corruption in her voice. What she's going to be saying is the truth. Amen. What she's going to be saying is the right things. There's no evil in her voice. There's no uh, falsity. There's no lies in her voice. And everything that she says is the truth. Amen. It's not corrupted. It's, it's factual. Amen. What she's saying. And so this is the verses the Bible tells us in verse 6 here. For I will speak excellent things. She said, what I'm going to say to you is excellent things. Next thing, she says, right things. Then she said, I'm going to speak truth. Then she says, I'm going to speak in righteousness. And so on and so forth. And she says, when I speak those things, she said, they're plain. They're easy to be understood. See, she is the woman that is in the public. She's the one that wants you to understand. This is not some kind of secret, mystical wisdom that's hidden. It's a wisdom that God offers to everybody. It's something that everybody can understand. It's somebody, the Bible says it's plain. It's not hard to understand. Amen. God wants you to understand His Word. If you don't understand, it's because you don't want to know it. Because God wants you to understand. And it's a public thing. It's not a secret thing. Hidden in a corner somewhere, you know. Like some kind of secret religion. That's not what she's about. She's out there in the public, man. She's out there where people are moving in the cheap places of concourse. She's talking to those that are passing by. She's screaming out with the Word of God to anybody that will listen. Amen. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be taking the Word of God everywhere. And, and there's going to be people that don't want to hear it. But we need to share it because it's not a hidden thing. This church is not a secret society. Amen. This is an open place. This is a public place. This is a place where you can come and hear the Word of God. But we don't want to keep it in the confines of this church building. We want to take it out to the streets. We want to lift our voices up. Amen. And declare the Word of God. Not long ago, Prophetess Melba sent me 
a video clip of a young minister standing in the street. Hallelujah. A preacher, what was that? Zambia or was that in South Africa? Where was that, Prophetess Melvis? That young man. Do you remember sending that to me? Where was it? In England. Okay, so England. Young man standing there. Bold, strong, powerful voice. Out in the open place. Out in the marketplace. Not afraid. Unafraid. Powerful. Courageous. Anointed by God. Speaking out. Preaching the Word of God right there in the streets. They tried to shut him down. They called the police. And the police went up to him. But he had so much wisdom in here, in him. That when the police tried to shut him down, he had an answer for them. You know what? And I listened to the wisdom that came out of that young man's mouth. It came from God. They couldn't stop him from preaching. They brought various various uh, ways to try to stop him from preaching. And, and he, he stood his ground. He knew, amen, that he had a right to open up his voice and declare the Word of God. And even if they didn't want it, even if they called the police on him and tried to get him to stop, he would not declare, stop declaring the Word of God. Amen? That's what Lady Wisdom says she's like. She's out there. She's in the streets. She's preaching. Amen? Lifting up her voice and declaring the Word of God. There's going to be some that want to hear it and some that don't want to hear it. Amen. But we got the truth. We got the message that will bring salvation to people's lives. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is always going to have Himself a witness. Always. Through history, enemies tried to shut the mouth of the church. Shut the mouth of the preachers. Shut the mouth of the saints of God. But God has always had a witness. And He always had, will have a witness. He will always have a witness. The dragon, the old dragon, can try to come, bring persecution and threats and death against the church of the living God. And martyrdom won't even stop that wisdom. I said martyrdom won't even stop that wisdom. They keep on preaching. Take them into the amphitheaters. And feed them to the lions. And feed them all these animals. Feed them. They just stand there with their hands lifted up in praise and song unto God and declaring that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And they were willing to die for this lady wisdom that I'm talking about. You can, the, the devil, the dragon can throw everything he can at the church to try to shut you up. But I want to tell you something. My Jesus is always going to have a witness. Amen. Give God praise in this house. The blood that shed to spread this gospel, the blood that shed the martyrdom, it only, it only spreads it more. The devil tried to put out the fire. Every time he tried to put out the fire, it just spread. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Amen. When you go through a trial or a test, when the Word of God tests you, I said the Word of God's going to test you. It's not always going to come from the dragon. It's not always going to come from the enemy. The Word of God's going to test you. But when you come out, you're going to be like gold. When you come out, you're going to be more powerful. You're going to be stronger than you were before. God can trust you with a greater anointing in your life. Because He knows I've tested them. I've proven them. Hallelujah with my word. I tested it. I believe Him. You can't stop her. She's going to stand on the corner. She's going to shout. You can threaten her. You can try to put her to death. But she's still going to preach. She's still going to sing. She's still going to give the word of God to those that pass by. Hallelujah to the Lamb. There's going to be somebody that wants it. There will be somebody that wants it. 
Amen. God has not left Himself without a witness. We're in the last days. We need to know the time. You need to know the time that you're in. The present distress. Amen. We, we need to know the time, but we got, we've got everything we need. We just keep on preaching, keep on singing, keep on living for the Lord. Focus on Him. Know He's in control of everything. Amen. Say praise the Lord. This is what she says I'm about. I'm about excellent things. Right things. Truthful things. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. The way that we live, brothers and sisters, it's just right. You look at your neighbor and say, it's just right the way we live. Now I know the world wants you to make, wants you, wants you to think that it's kind of, you know, strange or whatever, like some kind of secret thing. No, no, no. The way we live in holiness and all the things that we do in serving God, it's strange to the world, but it's not strange to the kingdom of God. It's excellent, said Lady Wisdom. It's excellent. It's just right. Help me preach tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just right. Why do you live like you do? Because it's right. Why do you go to church today? Because it's right. It's excellent. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm living for the truth. Why? It might be strange to you, but it's right. I'm just from another kingdom. That's not of this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To the Lamb. That's what she says. So that's, that's, that's going to continue until Jesus Christ comes back. You can try to silence the, the witness of Jesus, but you'll never be able to do it. Huh? The Antichrist is going to try to silence the two witnesses. And he will succeed for a little while, but there will be a while, a time, when fire comes out of their mouth and consumes the enemies. And only when God says it's time. Let me just say this to you. You, you may not realize this. I'm preaching by the Holy Ghost today. That every one of you here today that are carriers of the seed of Jesus Christ. You are carriers of the Word of God. Do you know that you are immortal? Until God says it's time for you to go. You know there's nothing in this world. Nothing can stop you. Nothing that comes against you. That you know you can't even die. Until God gives permission. You are immortal because God has put His wisdom in you, His seed in you, and nobody can stop you. Nobody can, nothing can stop you. I am immortal until Jesus says, it's time for me to die. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. He's the one that's in control of everything. And I'm trusting with my life. Hallelujah. And the enemy might want to kill you, might want to shut you out, but he can because you got Jesus. Hallelujah. You got Jesus. Help me please. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm immortal. I can't die till Jesus says I can. Hallelujah. The enemy may come against you. The Word of God may test you. But that's alright. Because we're more than conquerors. More than conquerors. I'm not just getting by. I'm more than a conqueror. And so are you. Because you've got the seed of God on the inside of you. And what I have found by way of experience is that every test, every trial that you go through, when you get through, come out on the other side. You make it through that place of death. You make it through the grave. Come out on the other side. you got more power, more anointing, more understanding, 
What's the devil going to do with somebody like that that just keeps gaining understanding, keeps gaining wisdom, keeps gaining knowledge? Hallelujah! Somebody said, Praise the Lord. Yeah, she speaks excellent things, right things. Truth, it's the truth. The Word of God is the truth. In righteousness, she says, I speak. And those that understand, they are all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. You finally say, yeah, that's right. That's right. I know that's the truth. Amen. That's what's going to govern my life. My relationship with Jesus Christ. His Word. His wisdom. Hallelujah. It's a great battle. It takes place in the mind. The philosophies and ideologies and your thoughts and, and my thoughts and everything. But those are contrary. Amen. Our flesh is an enmity with Jesus Christ. But His Word is the truth. Hey, hallelujah. Give the Lord praise in the house. She cries out, Receive my instruction and not silver and, and knowledge rather than choice gold. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, you and I have to choose over prosperity, over wealth. We have to choose wisdom. And, and I'll let the Holy Ghost bring that to you and, and I'll let God apply that to your life. But sometimes it's going to cost you. Amen. You're going to have to make a choice. I say, when I'm putting the Word of God above everything. I'm trusting God. Hallelujah. And it's more important to me than money. The Word of God is more important to me than gold. It's more important to me than silver. I need the Word of God. It's more valuable to me than silver or gold. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You spend a lot of time out there making a lot of money, accumulate a lot of money, buy a lot of houses, and just a little bit prosperity. Wisdom we'll talk about, she'll give you prosperity. But you can't put prosperity above wisdom. Say praise the Lord. But you spend the whole time, whole, all your life, just accumulating, you know. Going to work, getting a check, putting a check in the bank, paying the bills, go back, go to work, put the money in the bank, you know. Spend the whole life, just cycle, 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 same old, same old what you got at the end. What do you have at the end? Somebody else is going to take it. By the time you get everything paid off, then you're going to die. Say, praise the Lord. I mean, I sort of calculate, even my, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And I'm sort of calculating about how long it's going to take me to pay off my house. And by the time I pay off my house, I'll probably be in the grave. And then, I'm, and then somebody else is going to get it, you know. You're sitting around worried about, well, I've got to make the payment, I've got to pay my house, all that stuff. Unless the miracle takes place and, and I'm able to pay it just supernaturally off, God can do that too. Amen. But I don't want to just live for money. There's something more to life than living for money. Something more to life than just, now, yeah, yeah, it's important to go to work. It's important to work. It's important to pay your bills. Don't get me wrong. Amen. You know, we're not going to put on sheets and live out in the desert somewhere, but. So, I mean, you know, keep working. I mean, don't come in your togas or whatever and say, I'm not. But you know what I'm saying? The Word of God's the most important thing there is. Do you, do you have a desire for the Word of God? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever made an investment into the Word of God? Have you made a personal investment to study the Word of God for yourself? Hallelujah. I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God. Glory be to God. Amen. I've been preaching for a little while. Not too long, but for a little while. But I never get 
to a place in my life that I don't want to know more about the Word of God. I just spent $7,500 on theological courses so I can learn more about this Word. Somebody said, praise the Lord. It's more valuable than money. Hallelujah. You can't put a price on the Word of God. It's nothing like it. So, well, I'm just going to get mine direct from heaven. Well, I've tried that. and it, I'm, I might not be listening very well, but I, it just don't seem to work that, that good for me, you know. Hallelujah. Hey, praise the Lord. God seems to come to me and say, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the way He normally speaks to me. He says, You want to know it, you've got to study, and you've got to spend some money. Hallelujah. Say, Praise the Lord. The first thing I'll tell you tonight, if you got a $5 Bible, amen, keep it. Then go buy you a $75 Bible. Because then you're saying, you know what, that, this means something to me. It means something to me. Hallelujah. Now if you can only afford $5, that's alright. But I know better. I said, I know better. You ought to have a, you ought to have a good Bible. Praise the Lord. Put some money into it. Amen. I know now we live in society, you know, people got electronic stuff. I'm not condemning you. But I don't, listen, I, I'm just not there. Give me my Bible. Give me this book. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. This is a Cambridge Bible. Cost me around a hundred bucks. That's a Cambridge Bible. I don't even know if you can buy them anymore. I don't think you can buy them anymore. Hallelujah. I spent about a hundred dollars for that one. Then I bought a nice Oxford Bible. And uh, it was a real nice Bible. I spent over $100 for that and gave it to Melvis. Hallelujah. And I saw her the other day. She brought it up to the pulpit. Made me feel good because I thought she probably just, you know, who knows, that she threw it in the corner somewhere. Well, I never seen it at church, you know, and I'm going, man, I gave her, I'm going to go ask for that Bible back. I never saw her with it. I said, man, she don't want it. I want it back. My goodness, man, you know. They praise the Lord. She don't even know what she's got, man. She's got gold. And then I saw her, she brought it up here and preached for me, so that made me feel good. So she gets to keep the Bible, you know. Hallelujah. But that thing was over $100. And I went to the store to try to buy another one, couldn't buy it. Hallelujah. So you know what I'm pointing. I mean, I'm not saying that the dollar figure on the, do uh, the Bible is really that important, but I'm just saying to you that you've got to be willing to invest in the Word of God. Say, praise the Lord. More valuable. The Word of God is so valuable. It is so valuable. Think about all the lives that have been given for translation of this Bible. Think about the lives that have been given to smuggle Bibles in to nations that outlaw this book. Think about people who have died so that other people could have a Bible. A few years back, a few years ago, this church gave an offering to Myanmar Myanmar for Bibles. We joined with Brother Edmonds in Taiwan to purchase Bibles in Myanmar. And that's a, that's an honor, hallelujah, to be able to do that. To supply Bibles to that nation. Didn't have, have Bibles. The preachers didn't have Bibles. So guess what? You made an investment into a nation, into a kingdom of people, so they could have the Word of God translated in their language. It's important. The Word of God, man, this is a treasure. And Americans take it for granted. We got one in every room. We take it for granted. This is a treasure. Hallelujah. It's a treasure to read. It's a treasure 
to preach. It's a treasure to study. There's nothing like it. Nothing more, more valuable than the Holy Word of God. You can't put a price on it. Say praise the Lord. We ought to do more to get it out. We ought to do more to get the Word of God out. Nations, people need, they're starving for the Word of God. Starving for what you have in every room. You know what some people to do just to have a Bible to be able to read in other nations of the world which outlawed? You know what they do? They give their life for this. They, they, they lay down their life to have a Bible. That's right. But we got one. It's really available. Praise God. It's not outlawed in the United States of America yet. So I thank God for it. We need to put a value on the Word of God. When you come to the house of God, you hear it preached. Don't let it go in one ear at the other ear. Praise the Lord. Is it important to you? Maybe take some notes, whatever. Just, just, it's important. The Word of God. There's nothing like it. We're saved by the Word of God. You're not saved by the love of God. You're saved by the Word of God. Let me say that again. You're not saved by the love of God. The love of God is what motivated Jesus to die for us on the cross. If you were saved by the love of God, everybody in hell would be saved too. Because God still loves them. You're not saved by the love of God. You're saved by the Word of God. That's why this is so important. Without the Word of God, you wouldn't even know how to be saved. You are a bibliocentric believer. You know what a bibliocentric believer is? You're a Bible-believing believer. Bibliocentric believer. Most Christians today are Christocentric believers. You know what that means? They will tell you, my experience is just as good as your experience. Well, is it in the Bible? Well, I don't know, but I had an experience. And my experience might not be the same as yours, but it's just as good as yours. That's a Christocentric believer. A bibliocentric believer is somebody that's been saved by the Word of God. That means they have found out what the Bible says and obeyed that plan of salvation that's in the Word of God. I'm a bibliocentric believer, not a Christocentric believer. Hallelujah. I need the Word of God. I need to know what God requires of me to be saved. Because if I don't go by the Word of God, I'm just going by experience. Well, what did you do? I accepted Jesus. Well, I did too. Oh, an angel appeared to me. Really? Wow. You know, I got healed in my body. Wow, you must be saved. No, you're not saved by an experience. You are saved by the Word of God. You are a bibliocentric believer. And I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. When you came, when you walked through the doors of this church or somebody taught you a Bible study, the only reason why you are saved today is because you are begotten by the Word of God. The love of God is what motivated God, Jesus, to die for you. But you're not saved by the love of God. You're saved by the Word of God. And I'm a bibliocentric believer. And that won't cost you any extra. That came out of the highest levels of theology, man. You know where it came from? It came out of Brother Dice's mouth. And he heard that said by a theologian from... Uh, Biola University and I'll never forget it bibliocentric believer that's what we are you wouldn't be saved today if it wasn't the word of God wouldn't preach to you not only not only initially but ongoing 
Because once you get saved, you've got to have the Word of God preached to you constantly. Because the Bible says God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save who? Them that believe. If you ever throw the Word of God aside and you stop listening to the Word of God, you're not going to be saved. Because you're saved by the Word of God initially and you're saved by the Word of God progressively until you make it to heaven. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Look at your neighbor and just use that big old, big old word and make you feel powerful theologian, you know. Tell him, I'm a bibliocentric believer. Bibliocentric. Hallelujah. What kind of believer are you? Well, you know, people come up with all kinds of denominational names. I'm a this or I'm a that. Just tell them I'm a bibliocentric believer. And then your, their eyes will get about this big. And you tell them I'm a bibliocentric believer, not a Christocentric believer. Amen. My experience of salvation is based in the Word of God. I found out how to be saved by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. If it weren't for the Word of God preached to me, I'd be lost today. If it weren't for the Word of God preached to you, you'd be lost today. You need to thank God for it. I need to thank God for it. There's millions all over this world that have never heard this gospel. Not one time. Got to put value on the Word of God. Say praise the Lord. There's some people that heard it and came in. Said, yeah, I believe. I believe the Word of God. Hallelujah. Better than rubies. And all things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Our wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Wisdom says, I, I, my dwelling partner is prudence. You know who my partner is? It's prudence. That means good sense. Just good sense. Say, praise the Lord. Not very many people out there to have much good sense. Amen. You know, Brother Dice, another thing he used to say, he said, you know where you find good horse sense? In a stable mind. And there's not a lot of people that have any good horse sense. Say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Wisdom says, I dwell with prudence. I dwell with good sense. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and an evil way. And the forward mouth says, I hate those things. Do you fear God? To fear God means you're walking in a relationship with Him. You're serving Him. You love Him. Hallelujah. You're living by His Word. You're living by the wisdom of God. If you're doing that, these are some things that you can hate. Somebody said, you're not supposed to hate anything if you love Jesus. They don't know the Bible. Then the Bible says there's some things you and I should hate that might try to come into our life. And that's number one evil. Pride. You try to be independent of God. Arrogant. Being arrogant. Difference between being confident and being arrogant. That's Arrogance is a prideful thing. And the evil way in the forward mouth, she says, I hate those things. Verse 14, Counsel is mine. Sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. She says, I am so important that this is what allows kings to rule. This is what nobles need to rule. You know why? Because they influence so many people. The more people that you influence, the more wisdom you need. And because rulers influence people, they need to have the wisdom of God. And she says, by me, 
they rule. Kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rules and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me and show, and those that seek me early shall what? Find me. Yeah, you don't have to worry. In fact, the book of James says, if you're lacking wisdom today, it says, let him ask of God. Ask God. Say, God, wisdom's available to me. I want wisdom. I'm coming to you, Lord. I'm asking you for wisdom. Amen? Tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it. Give me a word, God. I, I, I can't direct my own life. And the Bible says God will not upbraid you. He won't chastise you. You got a question, you're going through something, or you need an answer from God, a direction. God's not going to get upset with you if you go to him and say, God, I need some wisdom on this. He won't upbraid you. It's available to us. God wants you to have it. Hallelujah. He's not dangling it out in front of you like a carrot on a stick, you know. Now come get it, you know, come get it. And then pull it away from you, you know. Like the horse, you know, just keep on trying to get the carrot. I mean, that's some real wisdom, isn't it? Sharing with you some real wisdom. But that's not God. He's not going to dangle it out from you and pull it away from you. Say, here it is. No, that's not God. God wants us to have wisdom. Amen. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. The earlier you get in this race, the better off you are. Amen. I was talking to a brother just the other day. He said, Pastor... He said, I wish I had got in this when I was younger. I really do. Amen. Say praise the Lord. You save yourself a lot of trouble. A lot of, not only save yourself a lot of trouble, you know, but can you imagine the amount of wisdom and knowledge you'd be have right now? Accumulated over a period of time. If you started out at an early age. Praise God. But I will tell you this, a lot of times it's the people that are young that come in the kingdom anyway. Because some people, they get so old, they get set in their ways, you can't change them. Can't change them. Can't teach, teach an, an, an old dog new tricks, man. That's, that's a proverb in case you don't know. That's right. So if you're in the church of Jesus Christ, you better thank God. And if you, if you were raised in the church, you have a benefit. You were raised in the church. Don't look at that as a bad thing or a negative thing. That's a benefit to your life. Get all the wisdom you can. Get all the knowledge of the Word of God you can, man. Devour it. If you're not married, you're saying, well, what do I do? I'm not married. I'm looking for a mate. You be there. Let this be your mate. Well, I need, I want to get married. Why? <laughs> Amen. I mean, before you can answer that question, why? You don't need to do it. So why well, I'm just so lonely, I don't know what to do with myself. I got all this time on my hands, and I'm oh, you know what you do? You get in the Word of God. You spend time studying the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. I got in the church. I turned 18 years of age. I got in the church at 18 years of age, and there was only one girl in the church. And you know who it was? Sister Christina. Amen? And she says, hanging around the old people. Right? Well, I, if I was 18, that means she was 13. So we got to wait for her to grow up. 
Amen? And uh, so you know what I did during that time? I didn't even know I was going to be married to her. God, when she turned 18, God did that. You know, Turned that switch on. But I want to tell you something what I did. In that, in, in, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> Man, 18 years of age, was it 23? Five years. I mean, you think about an 18 year old, 18 to 23 man. Okay? Lonely, going to church with only one, one sister in the Lord. She's 13, you know, 18. Woo, man. You know what I did? I'll tell you what I did. I submerged myself in the Word of God. That's what I did. I didn't sit around dreaming, wasting time. I got in the Word of God. I started studying the Word of God. I started teaching home Bible studies to the lost. Hallelujah. Praise God. I gave myself to the Word of God. Didn't even realize it. The Lord called me into the ministry. So you don't know what to do with yourself? You're so lonely? Just get the Word of God. Just read. Just devour it. Y'all bet y'all got the video games. Uh, some of y'all are going to give your parent a heart attack one of these days when they see you reading your Bible instead of playing the video games. They're not going to believe what they're seeing. Say praise the Lord. Devour it. Devour it. Devour it, man. I was reading books on the book of Daniel. And I just got in a church reading books on the book of Daniel. Reading books on the book of Revelation. You know, just couldn't get enough. Hallelujah. Just a hunger for the Word of God. Still got a hunger for it today. 37 years later, almost 40 years in the kingdom of God. I still got a hunger for the Word of God. Brother, that's, what, that's the way Brother Dice was. He said, when you bury me, he said, what's going to come out of my body is a bookworm. Just devoured the Word of God. Say praise the Lord. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Don't waste time. Get in the Word of God. I just told that brother, he said, I wish I'd have got in earlier. I said, just make up for lost time, brother. That's what Brother Dice did. Brother Dice was a Baptist deacon. And he went until his latter 30s, and I think he's like 38 years old, that God gave him the revelation of water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He's a Baptist deacon. He was sitting on the end of his bed. I've got his tape on hell. He's sitting on the end of his bed. And God gave him a vision. His fingers started burning off the end of his hand. God told him to go get baptized at that Pentecostal church in the name of Jesus. It's a Baptist deacon. And he did. When he got baptized in his name and got filled with the Holy Ghost, and he used to always tell us all the time, he said, We're making, I'm making up for lost time. I came in really late. Hallelujah, praise God. I never knew a man. I, I've known a few, but I never knew a man like Brother Dice. They could preach and teach the Word of God. Like, I'll never, I'll never get to the level of Brother Dice. His ability to explain the Word of God. There was nobody like him. I've never heard anybody like him. And a soul winner, soul winner. Or excellent soul winner. 
literally thousands of people. He prayed through thousands of people the Holy Ghost. He had a rocking chair. Holy Ghost rocking chair. They'd bring him into his house, set him in that rocking chair. They didn't have the Holy Ghost. He'd pray through in the Holy Ghost right there in that rocking chair. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. <clears throat> Until the day he died, he was preaching the Word of the living God. He never got enough of the Word of God. Say praise the Lord. Wonderful. Wonderful. Just make up for lost time. You got in late. Don't sit around. Well, I, you know, I'm in my latter years. My good years are behind me. No, your good years are in front of you. You just apply yourself. Give yourself to God. How do you can make a difference? I said you can make a difference in the kingdom of God. Amen. Riches and honor. Riches and honor are with me. Durable riches, righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold. My revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment. Amen. That I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. God, He says, yeah, there's nothing more valuable than it. He says, I'll, that's, I'll give you that. The wisdom. You get wisdom and guess what? Wealth will come to you. That's right. That's right. Wealth will come to you, man, because you've got wisdom. Say praise the Lord. People that are able to make a lot of money are people who have knowledge. Say praise the Lord. Brother Dice told us a story long. I didn't, I didn't listen to a tape by Brother Dice before I came to the pulpit tonight, but he seems to be keeping coming in my spirit. He told a story a long time ago. They, they went, they had a problem. This plant had a problem. And they couldn't figure out what the problem was, so they brought this man in. And he went to a screw. He turned the screw just a little bit. And then after he did that, he gave him the bill for over $20,000. And they said, $20,000, over $20,000 just to turn a little screw? He said, no. He said, it wasn't just to turn the screw. It was the knowledge to know which one to turn. Say praise the Lord. That's what costs them to know which one to turn. I don't know why. I just got chills all over me. Say praise the Lord, man. Say praise the Lord. The way we live is right. It is right. The enemy wants you to think like when you come in the kingdom of God, you're going to lose everything you got. That's not what wisdom says. William says he's going to fill your house. Fill your house with treasures. Say praise God. Not just money, but righteousness. Amen. $20,000 to know which screw to turn, man. See what I'm saying? Nobody can communicate like that, man. He said things that stay with you for the rest of your life. He said that years, I mean, so long ago. And I still remember him. Had the ability to communicate the Word of God. See, that's wisdom. It's not just knowledge, but it's know how to apply it. So it sticks with you. Me and Brother Edmonds, he's going to be here April the 24th, by the way, from Taiwan. And we talk, sit around and talk about Brother Dice. He said, nobody, nobody could use language like him. Amen. And I agree. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the good news is He put a little bit of Him in me. 
So if you hear, hear any good thing, it's because he put it in me, you know. Say praise God. So you get a taste, get a little bit of a taste of one of the greatest teachers that ever lived. I wanted to be like him, man. And I heard him preach. I said, man, I don't want to be like that, man. Say praise the Lord God. I'm not there yet, but I'm not giving up, man. Knowledge of the Word of God. Say praise the Lord. Especially when you got to stand up and preach to the same people. Two or three times a week, same people, you know. If you're evangelist, you've got one message, you got its canned. And you can go and preach it all over the world. One message. And you never, it's always going to be perfect because you preach it over and over and over. One message is all you need. If you're an evangelist, unless you preach a two-night revival, then you need two. But Brother Dice told me, he said, what's going to cause you to learn the Bible is you're going to have to stand in front of the same people week in and week out, preach to them two or three times a week. You're going to have to know the Word of God. Say praise the Lord. So I thank God for you. If for no other reason, it makes, you make me study. I can't have a canned message. I, I can stand up here and preach a message I preached 15 years ago. He said, oh yeah, that's a rerun. We, we heard that. It's a rerun. Yeah, I remember that. I'm no, I, he preached that, yeah, before. So, say amen. So every once in a while I gotta sorta, you know, I gotta take the same message I preached before and kinda change it a little bit, kinda, kinda make you, so you don't know. So you don't know. Say praise the Lord. But he said he'll give you, he'll give you riches. He'll fill your treasure with righteousness, good things. Amen. God wants to bless His people, wants to give you prosperity. I'll tell you why a lot of people struggle so much with money. They don't know what to do with it. That's why they struggle. Can I tell you something? Let's in on something. Most people don't have a money problem. They got a wisdom problem. They got a wisdom problem. Say praise the Lord. We need the wisdom of God to know what to do with money when we get it. You say, man, i got financial problems. Ask yourself, why? Well, I just need to make more money. Well, you get more money, you still have more problems. Right? Amen? Bruce Lee said, you know what? I need some wisdom. <laughs> Amen. Comes from the Word of God. Also, you need to know how it works. You need to know how it works. I love you. Let your neighbor say, I love you. Look at your neighbor tell him, I love you. I love you. You need God. I need God. <clears throat> Didn't like that, did you? When I said you have a financial problem because it's a wisdom problem. No, you want it to be because somebody didn't come and give you money. <laughs> Praise the Lord. See, the good thing about having wisdom, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm growing in this myself, okay? So don't think I'm.
preaching over your head, but I mean, we're all growing in wisdom. But if you're going to help somebody, you have to have resource. And if you're constantly broke all the time and you can't even pay your own bills, you have to have resource to help somebody else. So God wants to bless you, give you wisdom so He can give you resource. So it won't be just about you meeting your bills. So you'll have extra resource to help somebody else. That's the kingdom of God. Say praise the Lord. Amen. Protestants, I believe when you get over there in Zambia, you're going to walk in such wisdom, money's going to flow in, you know, in, in, from unusual places, in places that normally don't have money. Money's going to come. Amen. Because you're going to have wisdom and God's going to show you how. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't go over there and say, well, we're going to run this show like we've always run it, you know. No, we're going to, we're going to believe God. You're going to go over there and believe God. It's, it, with a, God's going to send abundance. He's going to give provision for His vision. Don't matter. You're not any nation really. Ultimately, we're not on United States of America's economic program system. We're on God's. You go to a poor nation, you can expect God to prosper the poor nation. doesn't matter. Wisdom works everywhere. Wisdom works everywhere. I believe the Word of God today. How many of y'all want... You know what you need to do? You need to start praying to God. God, if you're financially... If you're struggling financially, you need to start praying to God. God, instead of going to God and say, God, will you help me pay my bills? Go to God and say, God, I'm asking for abundance so I can have resource to help somebody else. And you will be amazed... Because the Bible says God gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And if you want God to bless your life with abundance, then say, God, I'm going to use this seed. I'm going to use what you give me as a resource to help some other people. And you will be amazed at how God will supernaturally take care of everything. Give you abundance. God has given this church. You have abundance. Everything that's here in this church, everything is completely paid for, debt free, and you have abundance in your accounts. And I don't have to stand up here and beg you for money ever. One reason is because you and I, as a church, are willing to send out the resources. Hallelujah. And when you give, it's going to be real return right back to you. See, that's wisdom. You need to pray. Just say, pray, God. Lord, you said you'll give seed to the sower. I want to be a sower. I want to have resources, abundance, so I can bless people's lives. And watch what God will do. It's wisdom. How many of y'all believe God gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater? That means He give you seed, you sow it, you're still going to have bread to eat. So when I give that, oh my, you know, I give that, oh boy. Man, that's all I got. If I give that, it's just like, what am I going to do? I won't be able to have nothing to eat. No, He said, you give it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to still have bread. Amen? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Say amen. Come get this. I'm going to give this money to you. Don't stand there and look at me. I know you're sitting. Come here. I'm just changing my mind. No. Hey, never mind. Never mind. That's all right. See? You just got you got to be led by the Holy Ghost. There's a hundred dollars. I didn't give her a dollar bill. I, I should have put that in the vault. My problem is I know that if I carry money with me, God's gonna tell me to give it away. So I just I should have just put it in the vault and then I'd be safe. You know what I'm saying? The best thing you can do if you don't want your money to go out of your hand when you come to church, leave it at home. You bring, man, you bring it, bring it to church with you. God will probably say, well, just give it to that person. But I won't miss it. I won't even miss that. Hallelujah. But you have to be led by the Holy Ghost. I wouldn't have done that if the Holy Ghost didn't speak to me and tell me to do it. God will give you a word. He'll give you a word of wisdom. He'll tell you who to give it to, when to give it to. Praise the Lord. God wants to give you some resources. And wisdom says, I'll fill your treasure with it. See, now next time, maybe some of y'all other people will sit on the front row. Sit on the front row, man. It starts raining money. You're too late. Day late, dollar short, buddy. I'm just telling you, you know, just, no, carry some money around with you. And then God gets ready to use it and you say, he speak to you, say, give it to that person. Amen. Now you'd be surprised. God wants to give you abundant resources, you know. Amen. Praise God. You never know. You might be able to make a friend that way. Right? Help somebody out. Give them something. Blow their mind. Completely blow their mind. Say praise the Lord. I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm going to stay, you know, in a place where I should be. But you know, sometimes God will just tell you. He'll just say, you know, you give this person. It might not even be money. It might be something else. Give them something. And watch what happens. Man, doors open. Relationship. People are not used to that. They're not used to that. Say praise God. Ask God for resource. God will give you wisdom. He'll tell you how to get it. And then when you get it, He'll tell you what to do with it. But ultimately, it's so it can fly out of your hand. So you can bless somebody else. God can't bless people like this. They make George Washington sweat. They hold him so tight. The eagle's screaming. Because you hold the eagle so tight. Let the eagle fly. Let George Washington breathe. <laughs> Praise the Lord. My God's an abundant God. He's not, he not stingy. He's not cheap. My God is an abundant God. I'm telling you. I don't have to stand up here and preach to you a prosperity message. Or name it, claim it message. I'm just telling you, if you live by the Word of God, God will bless you. He'll give you resources so you can help somebody else. 
My brother called me on the telephone Sunday night. You know? And I know that they probably have financial needs themselves. They said, Brother Carter, is uh, brother and sister so-and-so not going on the trip because they don't have finances? And I said, Brother, I don't have a clue because they haven't talked to me. Problem number one. But I said, it's possible. I said, he said, okay, well, I think, he said, I think we can help them. I said, by all means, if you want to do that. But I know that they have needs themselves. They see, they're willing to help somebody else get there. We'll tell you something. Listen to this carefully. You help somebody else attain their dream, and God will help you attain your dream. You want to be successful in life? Help somebody else be successful in life? And guess what happened? God will cause you to be blessed in your life. That's right. Say praise God. Believe that with all my heart. So I don't know what, what came of it. But anyway, I appreciate it. appreciate that kind of willingness to give. So that's wisdom. <clears throat> wisdom. That I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. And I will feel their treasures. And so very quickly, I'm not going to read all these other verses, but wisdom begins to talk about how that she was with God in the time of creation, participating in that creation. Now, everybody with me? It almost sounds like she's a created being outside of God, but she's not. Okay, It's, it's spoken in a me as a metaphor. So she's saying that I was with God in the beginning of creation. I was brought forth by Him. I was with Him, you know. I participated in the creation. So on and so forth. Well, why is she saying that? She's saying that because wisdom knows what order is all about. Let me say this. God does not dwell in chaos. He doesn't dwell in that. He is a God of order. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so wisdom was there when God brought everything out of chaos into proper order. So when wisdom begins to talk about she was with Him in the beginning, she was participating with Him, that she was brought forth by Him, it's simply an attribute of God. This is the way God created the heavens and the earth. is by His infinite wisdom and ability. Now, question for you. If wisdom was there at the beginning when God created everything, and Colossians chapter 1 says that Jesus Christ created the world by wisdom. So when we talk about God, we're talking about Jesus Christ. He's not the second person in the Godhead. He is God come in the flesh. Okay? And He created, Jesus created the world by wisdom. He's not a woman. It's an attribute of God. So wisdom says, okay, I was there in the beginning with God. I, he, she participated in that creation with God. So that would tell me that wisdom knows how to properly order creation. Amen? Wisdom will tell you how to live in this life. It will give you skill social skills it will she knows how life is supposed to be lived if you listen to her guess what 
Doesn't mean you won't ever have any problems. But if you listen to her, you're going to be on a path of order. You're coming out of the chaos. You're coming out of the confusion. Alright? Her words will bring you out. But you and I have to participate. We have to respond to her. Amen? We have to do it her way. So I want to listen to somebody personified, personified that knows how it should be run. I want to listen to somebody that knows how the wor world works. Say praise the Lord. Okay. Yeah, I, okay. So we got people that are trying to do it on their own. If I try to do it on my own, and I'm not walking by wisdom, operating by the wisdom of God, then I'm not going to have order in my life. There is going to be trouble. There is going to be problems for, for me, for you. Okay? So let's listen to wisdom because she knows how to live. She knows how life is supposed to be lived. And if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you don't like the way life is in your life, then you need to get a hold and I need to get a hold of some wisdom and find out how am I supposed to live? And wisdom knows how to live. Say praise the Lord. God's got an answer in His Word. I believe that. So that's what these verses are going to talk about. Now chapter 9, as we finish here tonight, is... Lady Wisdom once again is seen. And uh, let's go to chapter 4 very quickly. And we have found out that this young man has been taught by his father, Wisdom. Lady Wisdom's also there. Ultimately, this is the wisdom of God. This is the wisdom of God. This is talking about the wisdom of God. Alright? You with me? It's talking about the Lord. Now, chapter 4. The father is speaking to the son. Let me just read verse 10. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. 4.10 I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. So we see a daddy taking time to speak into his son's life. And he's saying, son, you're on a journey. Life is a path. It's a journey. And there's a right way to live this life, son. If you live it according to God's wisdom, God's Word, you have a right relationship with God. This father says to him, son, you stay on that right path. And what will come to you, as you study the book of Proverbs, that path will have light on it. It'll be a straight path. Amen? It'll be a path of life. It'll be a blessed life. Amen? But son, there's another path. There's another journey that you can take in life. That other path, there's only two. You take that path, son, that other path, that doesn't have God in it. You don't live for the Lord. You don't live by His Word. You don't have a right relationship with Him. There's a path that you're going to be on, son. And that path is a path of darkness. And it's a path of death. And it's got a lot of potholes in it, son. And there's a lot of danger waiting for you. There's a lot of trouble. 
And so this father spending time with his son to teach him, you stay away from that path that leads to folly. You stay away from the path that departs from God. And you stay on that path that walks with God in right relationship to God. Because if you don't, you're walking the path that's going to lead you to destruction and death and darkness and all kinds of trouble in your life. So that's what the daddy's telling them. You have a choice to make. And everybody in this church today have to make a choice. There's only two paths. Amen? And so the son has listened to the father. And he finds himself in chapter 9, he finds himself going by and he hears Lady Wisdom crying out. Amen? And where is she? The Bible says once again, she's sitting up in that high place. That's her location. She's sitting up in that mountain. And the son's walking. He's on this journey of life. As he's walking, he hears that voice up in that high mountain. Who is that voice? It's Lady Wisdom. And where is she? She's sitting in her palace, and this palace has got seven pillars. Okay? Now, there are people a lot smarter than me that try to make, you know, each one of those pillars something. Okay. You know, they try to take the first chapters of the book of Proverbs and try to say it fits into the seven pillars of Lady Wisdom. Well, you're smarter than me, so I'll leave that with you. All it's saying to me is that if she's got seven pillars, it's saying to me that her palace is complete. Because the number seven is the number of completion and fullness and perfection. And there she is, her voice lifted high, and the, the young man's walking by. And she starts crying out to him out of her Beautiful palace, complete palace, inviting, giving an invitation to that young man to come in and sit down with her in her house and walk in her wisdom. She's inviting that young man, which is all of us today, to walk into that palace and sit down at a banquet that she has prepared. And so the Bible tells us wisdom hath built her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars, she hath killed her beast, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table. She's got a banquet ready for you. She killed the beast, got her wine in place. Amen. Furnished her table. And then she sends out her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. There she is in those high places again. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him. See, he's on that path. Everybody here today is on that path. And Lady Wisdom's crying out to you and saying, Come into this banquet and listen to what I have to say. Take part in this banquet. Take part in this great feast that I have for you. 
she says, especially the simple, especially the naive, especially those that are immature, those that are carnal, come on in because I want to help you. <clears throat> I want to help you succeed. I want to help you succeed in life. I want to help you to be a good person. And I want you to have a right relationship with the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so if you're simple, let him turn hither. For him that wanteth understanding, she saith unto him, Come eat of my bread, drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that high place that ladies' wisdom is calling from, that's the location of the temple. So lady wisdom, hear me, is God. Lady wisdom is the Lord speaking to you. It is an attribute of God. And He's saying to you, He's crying out to you, personified as a woman, to appeal to men, to young men, to listen, to, to live for Him, to be in a right relationship with Him. Live by His Word. Walk with God. That's a wise person. On the other hand, the foolish person is the person who will follow at the end of the chapter a second invitation that comes from Lady Folly. And guess where she's crying out from? She's also crying out from the high place. And the high places were where idolatry was practiced. So there's two paths in chapter 9. There's a path of Lady Wisdom, which is a path that will bring you into our relationship with God, live for Him. Or there's the path that departs from the Lord. And anybody who departs from the Lord is acting like an idolater. Because everybody is feeding on something. You're either at the banquet table of Lady Wisdom, which is God, his word, a right relationship with him, or you're sitting at the table of lady foolishness. And that's the way idol worshipers live. They live separate from God in their life. And so she says, she cries out to the foolish person, the person that appears to be an idolater, appears to be an idolater, because they have forsaken the path of righteousness. And so, she reaches out to the simple. She's reaching out to the foolish today and says, live and go in the way of understanding. And then she says something very interesting. As far as a scorner is concerned, somebody who is not just willing to live separate from the Lord, but they mock living for the Lord. A scorner, she says, get it to him. If you reprove a scorner, you're going to get shame. He that rebuketh a wicked, getteth himself a blot. 
Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, he'll love thee. See, what God is saying, what Lady Wisdom is saying is this, is you are trying to deal with a mocker, a scorner, is somebody's got an attitude. We've already talked about that. It's an attitude toward the things of God. You try to correct that person. He says, what's going to happen to you is you're going to get, a, you're going to get shame and you're going to get a blot. He says, if you rebuke them, they're going to hate you if you do. What does that mean? There are some people, brothers and sisters, if you correct them, they are going to retaliate against you. They are going to exercise revenge. A scorner, a mocker, you hear what I'm telling you? If somebody, if you try to correct them, they're coming after you. They're going to do everything they can to destroy your reputation. Okay? So that's why he says you have to be careful when you're dealing with certain... You know, okay, the simple, come on in. Foolish, just cease from foolishness, come on in. But as far as trying to correct somebody that's a scorner, a mocker, someone who makes fun of the things of God, so what's going to happen you do that, you're going to have some pain. They're going to come after you. Okay? So you got to be careful. He's what he's telling you. You've got to be careful here. All right? So give instruction to a wise man. He'll be yet wiser. And, and he said before, he'll love you. And he will be yet, well, yet teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. As the wise man knows, they never, never have arrived. And again, this is not necessarily gender specific. When I preach to you about Lady Wisdom crying out to men going by, you ladies see it this way. Lady Wisdom's crying out to me as a woman going by. Okay? Amen. Give instruction to a wise man, wise woman. He will, she will be wiser. Teach a just man, just woman. He will, she will increase in learning. Y'all believe that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what we see here is a person who has responded to Lady Wisdom's voice to come into her house, to sit at her table, to listen to the Word of God. To receive the Word of God. To respond to the Word of God. To live by the Word of God. To have a right relationship with the Lord. Amen? And then we go on. Because wisdom ultimately is talking about the Lord. Fellowship with Him. Now, Matthew chapter 11, very quickly. Jesus applies this to Himself. He was trying <clears throat> to spread the Gospel. Teaching religious people. They were mocking him. And I won't read the whole context. You can do that some other time. But Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. <clears throat> the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of 
her children. So what Jesus is saying is that the wisdom that He was speaking, the wisdom that He was operating in that day, although it was rejected by the religious crowd, He said that is the wisdom He was operating. He calls her Lady Wisdom. Wisdom is not a woman. It's personified that way. So you'll know that it's with Jesus. Okay, now watch. <clears throat> so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me thy days shall be multiplied and the years of thy life shall be increased. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. He said, if you scorn this, it's going to bring you... You're going to experience trouble in your life. You want trouble in your life? And you're going to have to bear it on your own is what she's saying. Now watch. Here we go. Now we see another invitation. Second invitation. And this invitation is coming from Lady Folly. She's also crying from the high place. So Lady Folly in the passage... Practically speaking, we can pre speak to you about prostitution, those kinds of things. I can get into that. That's practically speaking, but I'm speaking theologically. The highest level of the Proverbs is to understand the theology of Proverbs, which means is about the Lord and fearing God and living for the Lord and walking in a right relationship with Him. That's where I am tonight. Okay? So we have Lady Folly then. She is the woman who seeks to come to your life and lure you away from that other path. She will come to you in many faces, many facets. She will come to you and say, Depart from the Lord and come and eat with me. Fellowship with me. Her whole purpose then is to seek to stop you from walking in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And to turn you into an idol worshiper. Because she sits in the high places. It's the world. It's the harlot. It's a spirit. And you have to understand that it is a spiritual battle. So anything or anybody, I don't care who it is, we know nobody after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You remember what your pastor's telling you? We know them after the Spirit. Anybody that is trying to hinder your walk with God, lure you away from a right relationship with the Lord, is not God, it is lady foolishness. Okay, you with me here? God's trying to give you wisdom tonight. How many of y'all know? I think a good example of this, maybe if you have time, is to read Pilgrim's Progress. And it talks about Christian's journey, you know, to the celestial city, the heavenly city, New Jerusalem. He starts his journey, you know, he's got this big old bag of sin on his back and he don't know how to get rid of the bag of sin. And then all of a sudden, he's taken to this mountain and this mountain has Calvary, the cross on it. And from there, that sin rolls off of him, rolls down the hill. And he's forgiven. So once... He goes to Calvary. He starts this long journey to that celestial city. And one personification after another. One temptation. Whatever. Vanity. The threat of persecution. 
just one thing after another that comes to him and he has to be wise enough to know that that is trying to get me off this path that's leading me to that celestial city. Amen? And that is lady foolishness. She comes to you in so many different ways, man. Different faces. And she don't have to be a woman. But come with me. Follow me. So she represents false gods. She represents then the idols in the high places. So look at it. Same location in a high place. Verse 15, to call passengers who go right on their ways. So she's crying out too. Every day, brothers and sisters of our life, Lady Foolishness is crying out for me and you. Through media, temptation, the world, we have three enemies. The world, the devil, and the flesh. Two of them are outside of us. The world and the devil are outside of us. One is inside of us. It's our flesh. They are enemies of your walk with God. You might be victorious over the devil tonight. You might be victorious over the world tonight. But it might be your flesh that gets you. You might be victorious over your flesh. And over the world, the devil will get you. You have to understand, brothers and sisters, you're on a journey to the celestial city and anything that the devil can send your way to get you off that journey, off that right path, to get you on the path to foolishness and death, he will. Seducer, to lure you away from God in your walk. So verse 16, she cries out, Whoso is simple, they lack understanding. You mean? Unsuspecting. Un unsuspecting young men. They listen to her voice. Oh, she cries out, but the Bible says she's a foolish woman and she's clamorous. That means she's just loud and obnoxious. Okay? She's loud, she's obnoxious, and not only that, but the Bible says she is simple. Which means she's immature. So she's loud and she's immature. Are y'all with me? And knoweth nothing. So she's got a really pretty face, but she's empty headed. I mean, she can't even help herself. But she's inviting you into her. And notice, it's not a public thing. It's a secret thing. Come join me in my secret place. In my place of privacy. Okay? Pretty face but empty head. Real loud and obnoxious. How many young men 
have been seduced by her. How many men, how many women have been seduced by her? Seduced by the pretty face. Thinking that was the answer. No, God says you need to be like Esther. She lacked nothing. She wanted nothing. She just said, give me sweet and bitter to bathe in some sweet and some bitter. I don't need anything else because I'm the bride. I don't need Vashti's cosmic queen stuff. Vashti is Lady Folly. The bride, Esther says, I don't need anything. I just need some sweet and some bitter in my life. I need some good times and I need some bad times. Some good times and some bad times are going to prepare me to be the bride of Jesus Christ. I'm not just asking for sweet. Give me bitter too. That's all I need. I don't need the cosmetic of the cosmic queen. Because I'm Lady Wisdom. I'm walking with the Lord. I'm married to Yahweh, to Jesus Christ. Oh. But how do I know how she looks? Because I've studied the book of Proverbs in chapter 4, 5, and 6. Study. It'll describe her for you. Man, she knows how to seduce. So here we go. Loud. Doesn't know what to do herself. Doesn't have the answers herself. Does it? You understand what I'm saying? What the Bible's saying? She can't help nobody. But she said, Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she said to him, Come in here with me. It's a big trap. Stolen waters are sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. She said, see, it's not public. It's a secret. It's a private thing. Come on. We're going to do this. Hey, we're not going to let anybody know. We're going to meet over here. You know, we're going to meet in here. We're going to do it. Yeah. Nobody going to know about it. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to have a lot of fun. And you know, stolen waters are sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant, she says. Let me just tell you, that is a lie. What she is offering, she is unable to produce. This woman, Lady Foolishness, is a woman who promises a lot of things. But in the end, she doesn't supply it. It always ends in death. And disappointment and destruction. So which table are we sitting at? Because we're all sitting at a table somewhere. Either we are listening to the Lord, we're walking in a right relationship with Him, or we're listening to lady foolishness and we're bringing trouble and death and destruction and darkness. We thought it was going to be the right decision. But we found out it wasn't. And how many people wisdom is reaching out to them to tell them this is the right way? And they won't listen. And they make a decision. And they find out they made a huge mistake. Because now they've got big problems in their life. I don't want to be that kind of person. Listen, I don't want to learn from experience. Experience is not the best teacher. 
I want to learn by the Word of God, man. The Word of God is trying to prevent you and I from making horrible mistakes. Getting involved with somebody that promises you something and they can't help you. They can't even help themselves. You know, so you get it. This is idolatry. This is what the false gods did. In Israel's day, it was Baal, Baal, Ashtaroth, sitting in those high places, crying out, Come, leave Yahweh. Come and be with us up here in the high place. And they would go in those high places. And when they went there, they thought they were worshiping the true God. They claimed to be worshiping the true God, but they were just religious. And they walked in those high places. Amen. You know what idolatry is? Is where God used to be. Idolatry is found and located in the past moves of God. Because those high places that Israel set up were places that at one time in history God moved. If you're living on the past moves of God, you can become an idolater. You need a fresh, present move of God in your life. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Because what they would do is they'd take in those past moves of God and they'd put this image, this image, teraphim in, these places here, this, oh, this is where God is. No, God has, has, He moved away from that a long time ago. Don't listen to the foolish woman that tries to allure you away from your relationship with Jesus Christ. She's lying when she says stolen waters are sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But verse 18, But he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. We're all eating at some banquet right now. We're all listening to some voice. It's either the voice of foolishness or the voice of God. We're in a right relationship with the Lord, listening to His Word, or we have decided to depart from Him and listen to the foolishness of this world. I want to be sitting in the palace of Lady Wisdom. I want to be in a right relationship with the Lord. Amen. I want to live for God. I want to live by His Word. I don't want to be seduced by foolishness. Because you know, here's the problem with it, brothers and sisters, is that when we give in to it, it might feel good. Yeah, it might feel good. It might feel like the pressure's off. It might feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing better now, you know. Remember, there was a young, <clears throat> younger woman that Christina knows her. We went to church. We knew her well, knew her mom well. Still know her mom, <clears throat> and she listened to Lady Foolishness. She walked out and she left the church. And uh, when she left, she would make statements like this: "You know, since I left." I feel better. 
you know, it's, it's easier, the pressure's off, it's just, talk about how she, you know, she felt like she was doing better. That's what happens at the beginning. It might feel better at the beginning. You don't have the battle, the pressure. That's what she would say. But brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, Lady Foolish just got her with her banquet. I'll never forget this Sunday morning. It was a Mother's Day. I believe it's a Mother's Day. That I got the call from the sister mother on the telephone. And she was... I can't even describe the kind of anguish that she was in. Uh, this, her daughter, had listened to the lies of the enemy and left the church, was drinking, and lost control of her Jeep, and was killed. Went into eternity that way. Let me tell you something. Lady Foolishness will come to you and, and offer you things, but in the end, doesn't provide life. The Bible says it's going to bring death to you and the depths of hell. She's in eternity tonight. I'm going to let God be the judge of that one. But I would not want to go out into eternity having left the church and drink and die in that state. But that's the enemy. That's lady foolishness. To allure you and I away from our relationship with God. And so when we move into chapter 10, we see an example of this. Before I do though, I want to tell you. She'll bring you into her place. Okay? And the Bible describes it. She's got her bed already. She's got his perfumed man. You know, smells good, looks good, so enticing. You walk in there and you think, man, we're going to have the time of our life. And nobody's ever going to know about it. And then while you are in the embrace of that lady of foolishness, according to the Word of God, she changes and you find out she's not as pretty as you thought she was. She's demonic. She's death. And you look all of a sudden into the face of death and you're in the embrace of a dead person. And you look around and all around you are dead corpses everywhere who took her lie and listened to her and walked in there to be with her thinking it was going to have a good outcome. But they're all laying in her chamber dead. And you can't get out of her grasp. What do you do when you fall for her lie and you find out she's death and hell and you can't get out of her grasp? Lady Wisdom is crying out to all of us tonight to stay in a right relationship with the Lord, to live for God, to hear His Word, to order your life by the Word of God, and don't fall for the trap of idolatry.
In Luke 24, Jesus said He's the fulfillment of all the Scriptures. He is the Lord. He is wisdom. In Luke chapter 2, the Bible says, as a child He was wise. In the Gospel of Mark, when He went to teach the Word of God and taught parables, He taught Mashal Proverbs. He was wise in His teaching. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, He is wisdom. The wisdom of God to us. In Colossians 2, it says, All the fullness of the treasures of wisdom is in Him. In Colossians 1, it says, He created, Jesus created the worlds by wisdom. Just like Proverbs 8 says that Lady Wisdom, by her king's rule, Jesus rules in the book of Revelation as King of kings and Lord of lords by wisdom. Matthew 11 says that wisdom is with Him. He's the one that this chapter is talking about. He is not a separate deity from God. Created by God. That's what the Arians would take. I'm just real quick theology. The Arians would take, Arius would take Proverbs chapter 8 and said, this is the second person in the Godhead created by God. He was only fully man, but not fully God. They came up with a second God because they tried to say Proverbs 8 was Jesus as a created being. There's only one God. And the Bible's telling you that all the wisdom of God is in Jesus Christ. So that when you and I are in a right relationship with the Lord, we have to understand that means to be in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're listening to His Word. We understand that He rules by wisdom. Amen. So in chapter 10, as I close, we move to the next section of the book of Proverbs. And I'm going to very quickly show you the theology. So when I read verse 1, it applies what I just said to you. Verse 1, chapter 10, the proverb of Solomon, A wise son maketh glad a father, but a foolish son is heaviness of his mother. What is a wise son then according to the Word of God? It is a son who worships, let me change that, who is a true worshiper of Jesus. That's a wise son. Any son that departs from Jesus Christ and a right relationship with Him is a son that brings grief to the Father. Because that son has connected with lady foolishness in departing from the Lord is appearing as an idolater. A son maketh glad a father. A wise son maketh a glad the father. Let me tell you something. You young people, if you want to break your mother and dad's heart, you appear as an idolater. You live a life that doesn't have Jesus in it. You don't stay in a right relationship with the Lord. And it will break your parents' heart. It will cause them grief because you are living like an idolater. But a wise son maketh a, a father glad. Brings joy to the father because they see that son living as a true worshiper of Jesus Christ. There's no more happy, happier parent than somebody who has a wise son 
or a wise daughter that's living for the Lord. But there's also no more sorrowful a person that I've ever known in my life than somebody who has a child that's living as an idolater. That's not living for the Lord. But God knows that by His Word. He said it. A foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. And you get the point theologically speaking. So, would you please stand? Thank you for your time tonight. Father, we ask you today, Lord, as we go forth from this place, we thank you tonight that Lady Wisdom has cried out to us. Thank you for everything that she is willing to give us, to offer us. Thank you, Lord. This is you. The relationship that you offer us, the path that we're to take in this life and to stay away from the path of foolishness that doesn't have you in it. Not governed by your word. Lord, let us always put you first in our life. We thank you. We put value today on your wisdom. Give us the strength, Lord, we pray, to live a righteous and a godly life. And everybody said in Jesus' name, Amen.